And it's the idea that Jesus finds these two disciples that are looking uh, for a rabbi. They're looking for a teacher. And Jesus says, well, just come and see. They say, we want to see your life. We want to observe you. And he says, come check me out. Come experience what my life is all about. And, and in the end, they don't, not only do they find a, a rabbi or a teacher, but they find a Messiah, somebody that could save them from their sins. And we felt like that was really important set up for this series because we need to be willing to experience Christ. We no longer want to be the kind of people that just sit and watch from a distance. We want to get, we want to see him. We want to be involved in what he's doing. And so we found that is very important. And then last week, message number two or challenge number two, we talked about follow me. And we talked about what does it mean to follow Christ? Because so often, um, and we said that one of the failures of the American church is that we tell people, all you have to do is believe. And if you just pray the magic prayer, right? If you just come down to the front and do the thing, then all of a sudden everything's going to be hunky-dory and your life is going to be turned into rainbows and roses. And that's just not true. As a matter of fact, following Christ is not always easy. Sometimes it's very difficult. Even Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, you've got to die every day. Like There's got to be some kind of sacrifice that we make. And so we talked about how as a part of following Christ, there's this thing, thing called repentance. And we said repentance isn't a scary word. As a matter of fact, David says in the Psalms that God desires a repentant heart. In other words, he desires a lifestyle of repentance. Somebody that's willing to say, God, is there something wrong? Am I doing something that's not right? And I'm willing today to make the change necessary to follow you every day. And so we talked about a true follower is somebody that follows with a heart of repentance. And so today we're going to get into another message, and, and this one is a little bit easier. This one's a little bit more fun than, than the last one. The last one felt a little bit heavy, um, and one of the things we said was that a lot of people like to preach, come and see, and they like to preach this one today, be a fisher of men. Um, they don't necessarily like to preach anything about repentance. We kind of shy away from that in the American church, uh, but today we're going to get into being a fisher of men. So turn to Matthew chapter 4, because this really is a challenge. It wouldn't be in here if it's not a challenge. It's not... There's something about it that's going to that's gonna push you today, and we need that. We need challenge in our life. Matthew 4, verses 18 through 20, it says this. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who's called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were, anybody know? Fishermen. Yeah, this is important. They were fishermen. They, they weren't um, carpenters like he was, right? They, they weren't. Um, they, they weren't tax collectors like Matthew was. They, they were fishermen. This is their job. This is what they do. And he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Notice he didn't say tax collectors of men. Right? He said, I'm going to make you fishers of men. In other words, I, I'm going to use you and I'm, I'm seeing what you're doing. I'm going to use you to be a fisher of men. Verse 20, immediately they left their nets and followed him. So today we're going to talk about being a fisher of men, and, and one of the things we're going to be talking about today is getting plugged in, not only uh, to the life of a, of a local church, some of you guys may not be a part of our church, and some of you guys watching may not be a part of our church, and, and that's okay, you don't have to be a part of our church to be a fisher of men, but whatever church you're a part of, you need to be plugged into. You need to be plugged into the life of that church. There needs to be something that you're contributing to the life of that church. Whenever you're just an observer, when you're stuck in come and see, you're in a place of just watching. Whenever you're in follow me mode, I'm following Christ. In that, I'm receiving, I'm, I'm consuming what Christ has to offer me. But at some point, we've got to move on, like continue this process 
from, from observing and consuming to contributing. Like there needs to be a place where we have something to do in God's kingdom. In the church, local, and in the kingdom around the world. There's something that God wants us to do. And so we're going to talk about that today. How do we do that here? Um, a couple of things that we do here at our church that we emphasize. We emphasize core teams. You heard that today we've got a core team meeting. Every church has something. They call it a dream team, a core team, a, a serve team. It's, it's always called something in a church. Volunteers. And, and so um, we don't use volunteers here because I don't like Tennessee. I'm an LSU fan, and, and there's just no sense. And that's why, that's why there's some song that we sing about the tide. And whenever we sing that song, I just, it's very a struggle for me. I have to just push through as an LSU fan. I have to remember that I'm a Christian first, right? So, so it's, important, it's important for us here at this church that we have teams. And so that's what uh, my dad was talking about earlier. If you want to get plugged in, you're not plugged in, you want to get plugged in, you can come check out our teams at the end of this message today. But it's important for us here because, because of this. I think, personally, I think it's important that you find a place that you can serve in safety. You can serve within the safety of the house before you step out into a desolate world. One of the things I tell people a lot whenever I talk about this, and I, I'm trying to, whenever we do like our membership um, one-on-ones with people, is I tell them this story that when I was younger coming up, I always knew I wanted to be in the ministry. I always knew this was what I wanted to be. And so, um, so I didn't really think about any other avenues of work. This was my focus. But in church, I ended up working with all kinds of different groups. And as a matter of fact, I, I worked a lot with kids. And so I was a children's pastor in, at two different churches. And so I worked a lot with little, with little kids. And then my wife became a teacher. And so um, I just had this understanding of little kids. And... Um, and so that led to one day whenever we had started this church in, in Gateway, just uh, we were struggling, man. We didn't have much, and we always laugh about, those of us that have been here from the beginning, we always laugh about the time when we were in the, the skate center and the whole place smelled like a foot, you know, and, um, and we had to get in there every, um, every Sunday morning super early and clean the place. Like, we'd go in the bathrooms that hadn't been cleaned, and, and um, so we'd have to clean the bathrooms, and and that's what I was doing every Sunday morning before I preached. I mean, we were struggling. We were struggling. We didn't have a lot of people showing up, and we sure didn't have any money. And so, um, so I had to get a job, a secular job, because the, the church couldn't pay me. And so, um, so when I went to get a secular job, it was just amazing to me that the job I got was working in schools with little kids. And because I had been trained as a children's pastor and I'd learned how to deal with kids and deal with kids' emotional problems and with behavior problems and dealing with kids who didn't have dads or, or um, they, they, their parents had been through nasty divorces, because of that, it led me to a place when I, I served in the safety of the church walls, then whenever I went outside of the church walls into a desolate world, I had this ability to work with kids. And I remember sitting down one time with this kid, and, and he was freaking out, and he was yelling and screaming and cussing and hitting and biting and throwing scissors or whatever he was doing. That's the kind of kids I got to work with. It was a lot of fun. Will Parker used to work with me, and so we, we had a blast. And so working with this kid one time, and somehow, um, somehow I was in talking to the kid. He just calmed right down, and I was able to have a conversation with him. And this lady was in the room, and she saw it happen, and she goes, where did you learn that? And I was like, 
God. <laughs> I was like, I don't have any training on this. I just, I worked in church. And I worked with kids and God has shown me and helped me with some of these things. So we just feel like it's important that you serve within the safety of a church. That way you, not because you need to benefit the church. See, that's where I think sometimes pastors get it wrong is we think we need you to serve to make our church look better so that my kingdom can grow. The church should allow you to serve within a place of safety so that when you go out, you've got something you can do. You've got a skill you can transfer outside. And the other thing is this, is we, we do talk about, I'm going to get into the word in a second. I just want to give you some background. We do talk a lot about rotations here, and we, we encourage people to rotate in and out. I talked to someone the other day from a, very, from a large church in our area. Um, actually, I talked to two people from two different large churches in our area. And, um, and one of the things both of the women told me is they said, I don't remember the last time I was actually in church. I said, why not? They said, because I'm in the nursery every single Sunday morning. And I was like, oh, thank God. And they're like, what? And I was like, it's not just my church that struggles with getting people in the nursery. You know, it's like even the biggest churches in the state or the city still struggle getting people to, to serve. And, and so here's the thing I want you to remember. This is just a little side note. If you, if you don't practice a rest-work balance, you rob other people of their rest-work balance. If all you ever do is rest and sit on a pew and you never serve in a church, then there's somebody out there that never gets a chance to rest and they get burned out in church. If you're the one that says, I got to do it all and I've got to be there every week and I've got to be because the nursery can't run without me, then what you do is you rob somebody. If you never rest, you rob somebody of their ability to find their purpose and to do something. So it's important that you learn to rest, work, balance. Okay. I'll get off of those little practical notes. Let's get back to the Word. So today what I want to do is I want to take Matthew 4, um, 18, 19, and 20, and we're going to look at some key words. We're going to break them down, and then we'll be done. So the first one I want you to look at, let's look at Matthew 4, 19. And he said to them, you're going to hear me say this a lot, and he said to them, follow me. So point number one today is, first and foremost, we've got to follow him. Before you ever serve somewhere, you've got to follow him. If you don't know what it means to follow him, back up on Facebook and find our message on follow him. You've got to be a follower of Christ in order to serve. Does that mean I can't do good without following Christ? No, you can do good things. That's all fine and good. But listen, there's a reason why we follow Christ first. There's a reason why we have to follow Christ first. There's a couple of things that the Bible says that, that, that Jesus says, and it's this. You've got to be willing to believe in him, and then you've got to be willing to behave like him. Look at this in John chapter 6, verse 29. The Bible says, and Jesus answered them, this is the work of God. What? That you believe in him whom he has sent. That word believe there means to trust, to have faith, to have confidence in. In other words, what Jesus is saying is the first and foremost job you can ever do in the church before you get on a stage and sing, before you greet at a door, before you hold a baby, the most important thing you could ever do is put all of your faith and trust and confidence in Jesus. That's the most important thing you can do. And what we do sometimes is we put ourselves in a place of work without having a place of follow. We put ourselves in this place where we're going after, you know, the, the deeds and trying to do all the stuff and, and be a part of all the action, but we're not following Christ. And so while our body is getting tired and our soul is getting tired, it's not being renewed by the Spirit. And so we find ourselves in a place of burnout. 
we find ourselves in a place where I, I can't stand going to church anymore. I can't stand being a part. I can't stand helping anybody anymore. Have you ever had one of those moments in life where, where, you, um, where you've worked hard all day and you've been busy and you've had a lot going on and you get home and the first thing that happens whenever you get home is somebody tells you what to do, right? Like you walk in the door and the first thing that happens is your wife says, hey, you really need to fix that drawer, right? I fixed the drawer. We're not having a fight. We're good. You really need to fix that drawer. And that's like the last thing you want to hear. And you want to just rip the drawer out and throw it through the window. Right? That same attitude is what happens whenever we try to work on number three without first working on number two. It becomes a part of our spirit that we just get so frustrated. And we begin to hate everything and everybody. So we got to believe in him. And then you got to behave like him. And you, you got to be brave to accept this challenge. Because here's what Jesus says in John 14, 12. He says, I tell you the truth. In other words, I'm not lying about this. Jesus doesn't lie. Anyone. I just thought of something. So sometimes what, we, sometimes what, what is said in churches, there's a, there's a vein of belief that, that miracles and signs and wonders and the, the supernatural things of God are not for today. That they were just for the disciples. But I want you to notice something. Jesus says this is the truth. So everything that follows has to be real. Anyone who believes. Notice that he doesn't say if Peter would believe. He doesn't say if Andrew would believe. If John would believe. He doesn't say if the 12 would believe. He doesn't say if the 70 would believe. He doesn't say if the 120 would believe. He says that anyone, any one of us, me and you, there's nothing special about me. I'm just an ordinary guy. And Jesus says, if anyone believes in me, um, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done. And even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. So the first thing we have to do in order to be a fisher of men, in order to have some kind of purpose in the kingdom of God, is we've got to believe in him. We've got to follow him. We've got to trust him. We've got to give him everything that we've got. And we need to understand that the same power that was in him can operate in us. You may not feel special today, but that doesn't matter to him. He can use you whether you feel special or you don't. It's just important about what's inside of you. The next thing that we read in Matthew 4, 19, it says, And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. I alluded to this earlier with the idea that he didn't say tax collectors of men, right? He said fishers of men. Why? Because Jesus wants to use what's already in you, what, what he's already gifted you to do, what you've already got inside of you. He wants to use that to reach the world. And sometimes we think, I don't have anything to offer. But I want you to look at Matthew chapter 15. This is a really cool story. So Jesus, uh, you've read about the story of the feeding of the 5,000. This is actually another story. It's a feeding of the 4,000, right? And so it's a little bit smaller crowd. But here's what it says. Then Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion on the crowd because they have been with me now three days and have nothing to eat. I am unwilling to send them away hungry lest they faint on the way. And the disciples said to him, where are we going to get enough bread in such a desolate place to feed so great a crowd? I think this is hilarious because the disciples have already been with him when he fed even more people with less food than what we're about to read. And now here they are in the same predicament and they're like, 
there's no way we can get more, more food. And Jesus was like, I have this feeling like there was times when Jesus just kind of raised his hand, you know, like to slap one of them, and then just kept raising it. Just like, Lord, I bless you today. You know, just praise you. Keep me from knocking Peter out, you know? And so I feel like that's Jesus' mindset. If not, that would be totally my mindset. Verse 34, this is key today. So if you got your Bible highlighted in your, in your phone or whatever, highlight this. And Jesus said to them, how many loaves do you have? How many loaves do you have? Jesus didn't say, Daryl, how many loaves do I have? He didn't say, how much food do you think I've got hiding over here? It wasn't about what Jesus had. He wanted to know, what do you have? What do you have? What do you have in your backpack? What do you have in your suitcase? What did you bring to this party? And the guys look around. They say, we got, we got seven loaves of fish and a, I mean, seven loaves of bread and a few small fish. So sometimes you may not think that you have a lot to offer the kingdom of God. You may say, there's not much that I have. I'm not, I'm not a, a, a public speaker. I can't get up and sing. I can't play an instrument. Can I tell you something? He could care less if you could speak or sing or play an instrument. He just wants to know, what do you have? And are you willing to give it to him? What do you have? What gift, what skill, what, what ability do you have inside of you? Because the thing is, he always picks people and puts them in a job according to what they have. He looked at Peter, James, John, and Andrew, all fishermen, and told all of them, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men, going back to what they understood. He looked at Matthew, who was a tax collector, someone that kept records and said, follow me. What did Matthew end up doing? You know what Matthew did? Matthew wrote a book of the Bible. He kept a record of everything that was happening in the life of Christ. He, he took a guy like Paul, who, who was a, a persecutor of the church, and the Bible says that Paul would go from town to town arresting people for the gospel... And he turned him into a missionary that went town to town telling people about the gospel. He can take what you've got and use it for his purpose. You have to be willing to give him what you have. Whether it's big or little, doesn't matter to him. There's a thing that we use here at our church, and I, I like it. It's nothing special. Um, it's free. As a matter of fact, if you want to write this down, it's called the free, it's called free shape, like S-H-A-P-E, test.com freeshapetest.com. We use it here at our church whenever we're going through membership stuff, but I, I kind of like it just because it's pretty simple. But here's what the word shape stands for. It, it, you can see it up here. It stands for spiritual gifts, your heart and your passion, your ability, your personality, and your experience. God wants to use these things in his kingdom. So sometimes you may think, I don't really have a lot to offer. Do you have a spiritual gift? Do you have something that God has enabled you to do? You may say, I don't know if I do or not. We'll, we'll talk about that. Do you have a heart or passion for something? You know, a lot of times it doesn't necessarily take someone with a lot of skills. If you've got a heart for something, if you say, man, I just love kids. Like, I don't know what it is, but I love kids and I don't know what to do with them. I don't know how to act with them. I just know I love kids. If there's something I can do for kids, can I, how can I help kids? And God says, at least you've got some direction. I can, I can point you in the right direction. What's your heart? What's your passion? What's your ability? Some of us have these different abilities. I was picking on Jill earlier because she's my friend. But Jill is a very talented artist. And so, so I said, Jill, you really are talented. And, and here I am 
every, you know, so often I'm getting out the chalk and I'm drawing all these chalkboard things. And, and I said, honestly, I just don't have time to keep drawing chalkboard pictures of sermon stuff. Like, it's just not what I can do. And Jill said, I can do that. And she comes in and does an awesome job doing the chalkboard stuff. Now, listen, that's simple. And you're like, well, a chalkboard doesn't mean anything. And, and that's just, no, 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 no. It doesn't matter what it means to you. It matters that God wants to use her talent, her ability for his glory. She could be out drawing all kinds of terrible things, right? She might be. I don't know. I haven't looked at all of her Facebook stuff. But hopefully she's drawing a lot of stuff here in the church that helps us. Sometimes he wants to use your personality. Some of you guys have such a great personality. Some of you guys have an awesome computer personality, you know. If I can just put you behind that computer. <laughs> I'm teasing. That was terrible. That was a bad joke. That was a, it was funny, but it was bad. And then he wants to use your experiences, right? He wants to use your experiences. One of the things um, I thought it was cool whenever I was, uh, the story I told you about working at a school, one of the reasons I even got the call from the principal is because I had experience living in another country. So I knew how to speak Spanish because as, as a kid, I lived in Central America, and the, lady, the, the principal needed someone that could come in and help speak Spanish to kids um, and parents and help translate. So all of these things, these spiritual gifts that God had given me, these abilities God had given me, these experiences God had given me, they all ended up being used. Yeah, but they were used at a school. They were used at a school, but they saved the church a lot of money and helped us get back on our feet in a place, in a time whenever we were really struggling. So... So God used my experiences. So don't discredit what you have. Don't think because what I've got is small, it can't be used. God wants to use whatever it is that you're willing to offer him. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 19, we'll go back to that one more time. The Bible says this, And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. The word I want you to focus on there is, I will make you. Notice it doesn't say, And you are fishers of men. It doesn't say, You will make yourself a fisher of men, Jesus himself takes on the responsibility. If you're willing to give him whatever little bit you have, he takes on the responsibility of making you into something special that he can use. The word make there means, um, means to produce, to construct, or to even create a path. That Jesus wants to create a path for you to become whatever it is that he's called you to do. Whatever skill or ability or experience or, or, super, uh, or spiritual gift that you have, Jesus says, if you'll give me the little, then I will make you. I will take the responsibility of creating the path to get you where you need to be. The problem is sometimes we don't serve. We don't, we don't participate in the life of the kingdom because we're too insecure. We keep going back to that. I don't have much to offer. I only have a few small fish. But here's what the Bible says in Matthew 15. Let's just finish that story. Matthew 15, 36 and 37. He took the seven loaves and fish and having given thanks, he broke them and gave them back to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the crowd and they all ate and were satisfied and they took up seven baskets full of the broken pieces left over. Listen to this. Listen to the wording here. Jesus takes the little bit. Jesus looks at Jamie and he says, Jamie, I don't know what you got, but here's the thing. I want to take whatever it is you have. And Jamie says, I only have a little bit. And Jesus takes the little bit that Jamie has. He blesses it, multiplies it, gives it back to Jamie. Notice Jesus didn't give anybody a piece of bread. Isn't that cool? I think it's cool. 
He doesn't give anybody bread. What does he do? He gives it back to the disciple and tells the disciple to hand it out. So you come to Christ and you say, you say to, uh, to God, one of, the, one of the people we, um, I like to pick on a little bit, but Will Hudson is in the back. He's doing sound today. One of the reasons Will is doing sound has nothing to do with his ability to do sound. He may be great at it. I don't know. I, don't, I, don't, I can hear myself, so he's doing a good job right now. He may be great at it, but honestly, the reason he's doing sound today is because Jonathan and I were talking about someone. Jonathan was having to lead the, the media team and lead the worship team. And I said, John, we've got to find somebody that's, that's skilled at, at just at leading and organizing and managing some of that kind of stuff. I said, who do we have right now that's already on the team that's good with that? And he said, well, Will just got a promotion. This is a little while back. Will got a promotion, and he's, he's running his own Chick-fil-A store right now, and he's managing that, and he's doing... And I said, well... Well, shoot, if he can manage a Chick-fil-A, one of the busiest places in the world, right? I mean, I, I love Chick-fil-A, but I get tired, man, just seeing the lines around. The, I, I get tired for the workers. I'm like, how do you guys survive? And if he can manage a Chick-fil-A, then surely he can manage three people in a sound booth. And he does a fabulous job. Does a great job keeping it managed, keeping it running. He does a great job. Why? Here's what happened. There was nothing insignificant. God took a skill that Will had, multiplied it, gives it back to Will, and now Will is being a blessing, not only to me, not only to Jonathan, he's being a blessing to the people in the sound booth. He's being a blessing to you. He's being a blessing to you guys watching online right now that sometimes will comment, the sound went out. You know what? Will fixes it every time you comment. Why? Because he takes what you've got, multiplies it, blesses it, gives it back, and then you are able to do the miracles. I just think that's really neat, that there's nothing insignificant in his hands. You may think I don't have much. You may think all I do is work at a Chick-fil-A. But God can take that, bless it, and give it back to you, and you can reach the lost. Sometimes we're too proud is why we don't do anything. Because we say this job is just too small. This is just a, this is a nothing job. I had a friend of mine one time, he was a pastor of a church, and... Um, Something happened, and the church ended up shutting down, and, and he ended up leaving, and he went to, uh, he, well, he ended up going to Church of the Highlands is where he, where he was, and, and so he was at a, a whatever campus of Church of the Highlands, and he said, Gabriel, I'm just so frustrated. This is his first, he's still there, I think, he, but it was like his first couple of months there. He said, I'm so frustrated. I said, why? He said, I'm a door greeter. Now, for most of us, door greeters are a great thing, but for him, he had been the pastor of a church, getting up every Sunday morning, preparing a message, preaching to people, leading groups, and now all he was was a door greeter. And for whatever reason, he just saw that as small and insignificant. We can't view the job as small. We can't view the ministry as small, because every ministry, every job is important to God. In Acts chapter 6, we're going to um, read this, and I'll finish the story out later, but Acts 6, 1 through 3. Now, in these days when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. Every church has its problems, right? And so the Hellenists are like, no one's feeding our widows. And the Jews are like, oh, well, you know, like they don't care. So, so the disciples, the 12 disciples are like, we've got to fix this. And the 12 summoned the full number of disciples. They got the whole church together and said, it's not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men. Listen to this. Of good repute. 
people with a good reputation, people that are followers, not only in name of Christ, but in how he lived his life, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. I want you to notice something in, in the kingdom of God, there's no job too small. These guys are talking about, we need somebody to serve food at tables. Who can we find to serve food? Well, what are the qualifications to hand out food? You know what we would do here if I needed someone to serve pizza? I could just get any Joe off the street. Like, like I would, yeah, just come on in and serve pizza. Like, it doesn't matter. All you're doing is handing out food. The original church said, in order for you to hand out pizza in church, you got to have a good reputation, Right? we got to check your Facebook, check your Insta. Let's make sure you're not doing something stupid. we got to have a good reputation. You're following Christ. you got to be full of the Holy Spirit. Like, this is intense stuff. And, and this is just to serve tables. And then he says, and you got to be full of wisdom. I don't even understand why you would need wisdom to hand out pizza. But these guys are saying you got to be full of wisdom. They only found seven guys to do it. I guess they didn't have a lot of people that were good reputation. They're like, man, this guy, he's real smart, but he does some dumb stuff. Um, so they found seven people to do that. This is, the point is this. The requirements were heavy for a very small job. That shows me that every job is important to God. It's important to God. Why would I need to be full of the Spirit to, to work at the door, to be a door greeter? I'll tell you why. There's a story. There's a church in... Um, in Texas called Gateway Church. It's not related to us. Sometimes we do claim that they're one of our campuses, but they're not. <laughs> Gateway Church, tens of thousands of people attend this church, and the pastor's name is Robert Morris, and, and uh, Robert Morris tells this story, and I love this story, but he tells the story that he had a door greeter one time, and this lady came in, and she needed prayer because uh, she was dying of cancer, and she couldn't, she wanted Robert to pray for her, but in a church of however many thousands of people, she couldn't make her way to Robert, and so she was leaving, and as she was leaving, the door greeter was like, um, hey, is there anything, uh, or thank you for coming today, um, and, and, you know, is there anything I can do for you today, and she said, would you mind praying for me, and the door greeter was like, absolutely, I'll pray for you, and she told him the issue, and he began to pray over this lady, and she left. She came back later and um, wrote the church a letter and said that she had been diagnosed with cancer. I don't remember what stage it was, but it's very dangerous. Not a whole lot of time to live. After the guy prayed for her, she was miraculously healed. Why do I need to be full of the spirit and wisdom and good reputation to be a door greeter? Because you never know who's going to walk in that door. You never know what that baby is going to grow up to become. I'll talk about this... Never mind, I'll share it later. I'm just saying, there's no job too small. And the last one, sometimes we feel too busy. Like, I'm just too busy. I'm just too busy to do anything for God. I'm too busy to do anything for God. But when we finish that verse, Matthew 14, 19, and 20, it says this. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Look at the next word. Verse 20, immediately, immediately they left their nets and followed him. So the fourth point today is immediately. We've got to immediately follow God. We've got to immediately pursue his purpose for our life. It's not one of these things that we can just back up. It's not one of these things that we can hold on. It's not something that we tell God, God, I don't really have time for you right now. I got other stuff going on. Here's what the Bible says. It says immediately they left their nets to follow him. 
immediately they dropped what they were doing. They said, you know what, Jesus, we're really busy right now. We're trying to do some stuff right now, but we're going to leave everything we're doing, all of our busyness to the side, and we're going to follow you. We're going to give you everything that we've got. You've got a purpose and a destiny for us, and we want to pursue that. In order for me to immediately follow anybody demands trust. My kids are in this weird place right now where two of them are teenagers and one of them is not, but he's getting close. And now they want to buy stuff all the time. And it's always stuff that they can afford. Like they have the money, but they don't have the Amazon account, right? So I have to pay for it, then they have to pay me back. And we're in this weird place right now where, where my son <clears throat> or my daughter will come up to me and they'll be like, Dad, Will you buy this for me? I need this. Will you buy this for me? And it's always something silly or nothing, you know, like, it's not like I got to have this for school. It's like I got to have this for my Xbox. And I never immediately buy it. I'm probably a bad dad. But I'm always like, yeah, maybe later. And they'll come back to me like a day later. Dad, do you, will you buy this for me? I'm like, ah, we'll see. And I always just put it off, put it off, put it off. You know why I always put it off, put it off, put it off? Because I don't trust that they're being smart with their money. I don't trust them. So I don't do anything immediately for them. And they're in the room, and they're hearing this now. And what we do with God, when God keeps asking us to follow him, and God says, I'll make you fishers of men, and God says, I've got great things for you to do. I've got some small things for you to do, but I'm going to bless the small things. I'm going to multiply the little things that you have. You may only have one skill, but I'm going to multiply that skill. You may not feel like you're the best or the smartest, but I'm going to multiply whatever it is that you give me. And I'm going I'm to use you to reach men. I'm going to use you to reach the lost. I'm going to use you to change lives. And God says that to us, and we look at God, and we say, not right now. And the reason we say not right now is not because we're busy. It's because we don't really trust him. We don't really trust that he's going to do what he says he's going to do. But can I tell you something? We sang a song earlier, and I reached over and I grabbed Perry's hand because I just thought he has always been faithful. That song we sang at the beginning or in the middle today about him being faithful, all my life you have been faithful. All of my life he has been faithful to me. He has been faithful to my wife. And we have served, and we have served, and we have served. And there have been times when we've put our own plans on hold. There have been times when we've had to leave the nets behind in order to do what God's called us to do. Do you think I enjoyed cleaning toilets before I preached on a Sunday morning? Absolutely not. I didn't like waking up as early as I had to wake up to come in and set up all the chairs when everybody else left us and we didn't have hardly anybody here. I didn't like doing any of that stuff. But in the moment, that's what God needed me to do. And I was willing to leave every net behind to do what God wanted. Why? Because he's desperate. He's desperate. Matthew 9, 36-38. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them. The word compassion means, it's the same thing as passion, only it's more intense. It's passion that comes from deep inside. It's emotional. It's moving. Whenever Jesus looked at the crowds, when you hear the word compassion, this is a very emotional. So he looks at the crowds and he becomes overwhelmed with emotion for the crowds. And he says, because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And he says to the disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. The word send there means, it, it, 
I, I used to read that and I would, I would be confused because I thought, why is God holding back the laborers? Why is God holding back the workers? Why do I have to pray to God to send them out? He should, if he's that compassionate about the lost people, he should send them out on his own. And then I studied the word send. And the word send does mean, it does mean to, to like release someone to go do something. It also means to throw someone out. In other words, there's a lot of people sitting on a lot of pews, sitting in a lot of padded chairs today, doing absolutely nothing for the kingdom of God. So what am I supposed to pray? I'm supposed to pray, God, throw them out of their comfort zone. Throw them out of their chairs. Throw them out of their church. Throw them out into the world. Throw them out somewhere where they can do something good for you. Throw them out somewhere where they can be a fisher of men. Throw them out somewhere where they can love somebody and show them your compassion and your love. That's the prayer that he wants us to pray. Remember I told you the story about the, the seven guys serving tables. I want to show you the end of that story. So in Acts chapter 6, verse 7. So this is the end of that story. Acts chapter 6, verse 7. Go ahead and put that on the screen, Em. If it's up there. The Bible says this. And the word of God continued to increase. And the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem... And a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. What happens when people are willing to serve even if it's just serving tables? Here's what happens. The word of God increases. The number of disciples is multiplied greatly. And even staunch religious people become obedient to the faith. I don't want a big church. Like that, that can't be our goal, is to see how many seats we can fill. The goal should be, how many people can we get into heaven? Like, can we increase the number of disciples? Not the number of people that raise their hand and pray the prayer. I want to see the number of disciples increase. People that are walking through the challenges. People that are, that are going from just experiencing to following and repenting and living their life for Christ. To people that are being used in the kingdom of God. Like, like that's the kind of goal we've got to have as Christians. Is God, how can we expand your kingdom on this earth? But the problem is we don't have sometimes enough people serving tables. There are churches out there where everybody wants to be the preacher and nobody wants to hand out the pizza. We got to be willing to do whatever God wants us to do. I'm going to end with this little story and then I'm going to shut up, I promise. So this week, this week, Jonathan and I um, were sitting in the, in the office over here and our window looks out into the parking lot and all of a sudden, Jonathan says, there's a dog in the parking lot. And I was like, Let's go look at it, you know, because I have very little attention span, and I'm amazed by just the dumbest things. So I thought, let's go look at this dog. So we run out there to look at the dog, and whenever we looked at the dog, because I just figured it's probably a dog from the neighborhood. There's churches, back, I mean, houses right, right here behind us. I figured one of them just stepped over into the yard. When I walked out, this dog is in our parking lot, and I look, and it is chasing a vehicle that is leaving it. And it broke my heart. I was like, man, that stinks for this dog. Like somebody just dumped this dog in our, in our parking lot. So we got the dog to come over to us and 
she was super thirsty and just drank every bit of water we gave her and filthy and covered with fleas and um, she had a collar, actually two collars on, I don't know why two collars, but two collars and they're just nasty, dirty and and, and so we, we take this dog, and, and I just was like, I don't know what to do with this dog. And so I said, I, I'll take it home, I guess, and throw it in the backyard and see if somebody lost their dog. Like, I don't know, but obviously these people just dumped it. And so I, I take this, this little dog or this dog home, and I, I put it in the backyard, and, and we start feeding it. And I mean, every time we'd give it food, it would just, just gobble up all the food. She had just been mistreated, and I took her to a vet, and the vet um, gave us some medicine for her fleas to kill all the fleas, and I, I washed the dog, and I took the collars off the dog and threw them away. They were so gross, and I went and bought her a new collar and put it on her, and, 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 and so we brought the dog into the house, and, and unfortunately, she's in heat, so it's all kinds of other problems with that that I'm just not used to, right? I've got a male dog, and he's fixed, so he didn't have any issues so we bring this new dog into the house, and she's trying to just figure out what the world's going on. And one of the things we notice about this new dog is everywhere I go, she follows me. Everywhere I go, she follows me. We looked her up. Apparently, we think she's a Dutch shepherd, and Dutch shepherds are very loyal dogs. And they're very much a people person kind of dog. Like they love to be with people. And so she follows me everywhere I go, and she won't settle down. She won't settle down until I get still. And when I get still, then she'll lay down and go to sleep. But the first couple of days we had her, she was just panting all the time and just, just anxious all the time and whining all the time. And yesterday, we finally just kind of let her roam around the house a little bit on her own. And I was making dinner. And as I'm cooking dinner, she just lays on the floor and sleeps. And if I would move to go somewhere else, she would hop up and she would run over wherever I was, and she would lay right beside my foot and go to sleep. She just follows me everywhere I go. And when we started looking her up and found out she was some kind of shepherd at first, and now we think she's Dutch shepherd, but we found out this, that these dogs get very frustrated if you don't give them a job to do. They get very frustrated and anxious, and they begin to tear stuff up, and they begin to escape, and they, they go crazy if you don't give them a job to do. Can I tell you something today? We serve a God that found you and noticed you and loved you when you were covered in fleas, when you were filthy and nobody wanted you and people abandoned you and people didn't care anything about you and you were out there all by yourself and you were starving and you were thirsty and you didn't have a home and we serve a God that looked at you and could see past what, what everybody else saw, which was a problem, and they could see a, a, a wonderful person. God looks at you and he sees purpose and he sees destiny. And he rescued you and he cleaned you up. And, and we, he, he takes us through all these processes of, uh, of washing us and cleansing us and, and making us whole again. Getting us back to a place of health. But if we don't have a job to do, if there's not an outlet for the spirit that he puts inside of us, for the purpose that he puts inside of us, if there's not something for us to do, we're going to struggle and we're going to be frustrated. We've got to have something to do. He rescued you for a reason. When we begin to look this up, we find out that Dutch shepherds are used mainly by police and, and rescue organizations to help rescue people, to help catch bad guys. He rescued you so you could rescue others. Why don't you stand up with me this morning?
I don't know what your purpose is today. I don't know where you feel like you are today walking into this place. You may feel like, like that dog. You just, you just feel like everything's falling apart on you. Maybe you need to follow Christ today. Maybe you need to give him everything you've got today. Maybe you need to repent of all of your past and, and give him your future. Maybe that's what it takes. Maybe you've got to learn how to trust him and be confident in that trust Maybe today you've been sitting in the chair for too long. You've been, you've been showing up. Man, you got the observe part down. You have experienced God for a while. Maybe you started following him and you've, you've got that part down, but you've just kind of sat back and done nothing for a long time in the kingdom of God because you don't feel like you have much to offer. You don't feel like you're special. You don't feel like you've got a gift. But can I tell you something today? God's got some purpose inside of you. God's got something great in you. And you've got to be willing to give him whatever it is that you've got. And allow him to multiply that and use it. I want you to close your eyes with me this morning. I want you to search your own hearts today. Where are you standing today? Where are you living today? What is it that God's speaking to you today? Holy Spirit, we invite you into this room today and we just ask you to speak to our hearts because we may not know you today. God, maybe we've, maybe we've been to church and, and, and maybe we, we grew up in church and maybe we prayed a prayer when we were 12 years old, but we haven't lived the life. We're not fully devoted to you. We're not like that dog following me around everywhere I go. We don't follow you. We're just in the same room as you. And God, today we need to give our hearts to you. Maybe that's where you're standing today. Maybe that's what the Spirit is saying to you today, is that you need to give him your life. You need to follow him. You need to repent and change and don't stay the same. Maybe today you're saying, I'm frustrated because I've been in church and I've been serving God, but I just don't have a place. I don't have a purpose. I don't have a, a, a job, for lack of a better word. Maybe the reason is you just allowed yourself to get too busy with life. And you need to leave the nets behind. There's some things you need to drop in order to give him the time that he needs to reach the lost. The harvest is plentiful. There are people dying and going to hell all around us. And they need somebody to tell them about Jesus. They need somebody to greet them at a door. They need somebody to hold their baby for an hour and a half so that they can listen to the word of God. So my prayer is for two people today. If you need to give God your life, if you need to serve Jesus Christ, if you need to follow him, if you need to repent of your sins, this prayer is for you today. I pray for you right now that you would give everything to him. And I want you to pray on your own right now. You pray your own prayer. You don't have to depend on me. I, I'm not your master. I'm not your God. Only he is. So you pray to God. You talk to God. And you tell him that you repent. You tell him that, that you want to give your life to him. You want to devote everything you've got to him. And it may not always be easy. The path is sometimes, it, it's narrow and, it, and, it, and it's windy. But you know what? It's totally worth it in the end as we begin to give up everything that we've got and give everything to God and allow him to change. So God, today we repent of our sins and we ask you to forgive us of our sins. And today we choose to have you not only as our Messiah that, that frees us from our sins, but as our Lord that we can follow and submit to. He's like the dog owner that not only cleans the dog, but leads the dog into purpose. And that's what we want to be today.
Maybe today you're saying, Gabriel, I'm just frustrated. I'm frustrated with my life. I'm frustrated with my ministry. I'm frustrated because I'm not doing anything. And I want to do something. I want to serve God. I want to serve the kingdom. I want to be one of those harvesters that's out there reaping the harvest and changing people's lives. Even if it's just one life at a time, I want to do something. If that's you today, I just pray right now that you would have the boldness and the courage to immediately follow him. The boldness and the courage to step out of the boat that's been holding you back. Step away from the nets that have been holding you back. To step away from the insecurity. To step away from the the feelings of being too small. The the, the pride that would come with that. To to walk away from the busyness and, and step into a place where you're finding purpose in Christ. Because God wants to use you. He wants to use you at your church. He wants to use you at this church. Whatever church you attend. He wants to use you at your job. He wants to use you at your grocery store. He wants to use you at your gym. He wants to use you at your school. He wants to use you in your neighborhood. God wants to use you. But we've got to be willing to immediately drop the nets. And pursue the purpose that he has for us. God I love you and I thank you. And I just ask today that you would throw us out. Throw us all out of our comfort zone, throw us all out of our pride, throw us all out of our insecurity, throw us all out of the nets that that keep us busy, and God, throw us into a place of purpose and destiny.